Welcome to the Line Break Podcast. My name is Chris Corlew, and with me as always is my friend and co-host, Bob Sikora. You got it this time. I got you it got this the time. Right order. Yeah, can, you even, nice. can, can you believe it? Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, and this week, we have another guest, which we are really excited about. Um, and I am again going to uh, pass off the intro formalities to Bob. Bob, take us away. Thanks, Chris. Another guest and someone that I'm really excited to welcome. Um, this is the first in a run of poets who are very, very close to my heart. Um, each of them was a winner of the 2018 Nostrovia Press Chatbook Contest. Um, it kind of blows my mind that it's somehow been like three-ish years, maybe not three full years, but almost three years since that happened because it was such a like strong memory for me. Um, the long story here, but the short version, um, I was published by Nostrovia. I became friends um, with Jeremiah and Chris, who started that press and their chapbook series, um, and they needed a little bit of help, so they invited me to help them out with the contest. And Different Chris, by the way. Different Chris, good point. <laughs> friend of the show, <laughs> you know, but different Chris. <laughs> very big friend of the show. Shout out Christopher Morgan. Um, so the poet we're talking to is someone who their work, I knew, kind of going into the contest, and then this this manuscript shows up in my in the email, um, the Cartography of Sleep, and it just absolutely knocked my socks off. And like, what I like, I don't know. It's a satisfying thing, I think, as an editor or as a reader or whatever, to like be like, oh, there's a name I recognize, and then you read it and you're like, oh, I'm glad I recognize this name. Like, here we go. And we really did. We had this incredible um, submission pool um, and and had an incredibly incredibly difficult time um, narrowing it down to three. But I'm really happy we chose this one. I'm really happy that this person is here. Our guest today is. Laura Villarreal. How are you, Laura? I'm good. How are you? I'm excited to be here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, welcome. Um, We're excited okay. to have you. <laughs> so Laura uh, earned her MFA from Rutgers University, Newark. Uh, she is a recipient of Radar Poetry's 2020 Commission Prize, 2018 Key West Literary Seminar Teacher and Librarian Scholarship, the Highlight Foundation's 2018 Lori Hulse Anderson Scholarship, her chapbook, which I just mentioned, The Cartography of Sleep, was published in 2018. She works on an interview series that I would like to highly recommend because it's so great, at Friction, called Writers Talking About Anything But Writing. She's a 2019-2021 National Book Critics Circle Emerging Fellow, a 2020-21 Stadler Fellow, doing all sorts of great stuff, but also has some exciting news right now. Um, just yesterday, the, U- the University of Wisconsin Press announced that they will be publishing her book. How are you feeling? I'm excited and nervous, and it's just kind of unreal. <laughs> that's, that, that scans, yeah. <laughs> that's fair. I was like, I had their, their web page open for a reason, and I just totally remembered why I wanted that to open up and have it there. I still can't believe this. Um, like, What, that Laura got published? Like, no, no, no. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> Laura can't believe it. I can. No surprise there at all. And like, yeah, really, like genuinely as someone like who's followed your work, it's like one of those things like it's going to happen. When's it going to happen? Um, but, I, you know, I opened up this announcement. 950 entrants to this oh contest. <laughs> like, uh, like, what awesome, a just man. like, <laughs> what a just like fantastic image of like how absurd poetry publishing is in the poetry world is um, but that's super freaking cool that yours is one yeah. of these five out of 950 and well um, deserved long... yeah congratulations yeah. from both of us yeah how long have you known and how is it sitting with this information um i think i've known since i don't know time is a little funky and <laughs> yeah. like, but i've definitely known i think in February sometime. I don't okay. know. There was a time when we had the ice storm in Texas. I'm in Texas right now. And then oh. it was just like a week of nothing. So I'm still just, I don't know, trying to catch up with how time works. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's so fantastic. How, um, I guess the question that I'm trying to ask and just like thinking of, I guess just trying to think of, you know, like how long, would you say you've been working on this book, submitting this book? How long of a project has this been both like actively being worked on, but also like part of your imagination? So after publishing the cartography of sleep, I started working on another chapbook. Well, what I insisted was a chapbook, but my <laughs> friends lovingly redirected me and said, Hey, you have potentially two chapbooks. Maybe it's just one book. <laughs> so there are quite a few poems from the cartography of sleep in girl's guide to leaving 
and then a lot of new work that um, wasn't in in that first project. So I think that's, that's three, that brings up something that's always on the uh, forefront of my mind. So it was your your it wasn't like the mis mystery of the work, some mystical thing of the work, but it was like your friends being like, "No, no, no, push this forward," because that's both are cool, but that's that's really cool and really validating. I feel like sometimes you have to have people kind of like direct you um, yeah. because you get really comfortable doing one thing. And I felt pretty comfortable making chapbooks because I feel like a longer project, you have to really sustain the narrative threads, the image threads. Um, I think I wasn't ready to admit that I was working on a full length book. <laughs> Perfectly understandable, very relatable. Fair. Shout out to good friends. I feel like it's like, maybe the third time we've talked about that in just the last few episodes. Yeah. So we need our poet friends. Um, friends so can you, <laughs> really, the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, as I said, I really love this chapbook, um, and kind of when I was trying to think about how to describe it, um, the ideas came to, like, one of the things came to my mind was, I think there's this dreamlike quality, and again, like, that makes sense, cartography of sleep, it's all there, it's happening. Um, but you had this sense of kind of this mythological or almost, like, moments that feel like a fairy tale but I always really appreciated how they felt grounded and not detached um, kind of from real world and your experiences um, so with that in mind that like there is a section that is there's a number of poems that are from the chapbook but there's these other poems um, how would you describe maybe the difference or whatever I don't know what's carried those poems what are the obsessions of those poems um, in the cartography of sleep or in the the other poems in the in the full length um, I think, so the Cartography of Sleep really did have that heavy mythology and fairy tale um, quality to a lot of the work, and then just kind of retellings or reimaginings of Mesoamerican mythology. Um, Girl's Guide to Leaving, a lot of the poems are more personal. It's trying to reckon, reckon with the real world rather than just kind of like the safe space of like fictional settings and places. Right. I feel like nice. I wanted to push the personal out a little bit more, but there's still a lot of mythology <laughs> influenced by that. Yeah. Uh, I love that's that. Awesome. Mix, yes. man. Yeah. That's, that's so right up my alley. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. Um, is there, was there anything that pushed you to emphasize the personal a little bit more than mythological or was it just kind of like a, uh, a natural outgrowth of like, what you're working on. I think it was maybe a natural outgrowth. Um, I wanted to push myself into a deeper space of vulnerability. Um, I think it's hard to write really personal work. I think it's easy to create and world build under kind of like a guise of this is a different person's story, but I think it's essential for you to kind of like tell your own story and um, make meaning out of that. And I think Poetry is one place that I feel very comfortable doing that, but also deeply uncomfortable um, talking about personal things. <laughs> yeah. Oh but, man, that, that resonates yeah. so much with me. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. It's so much easier to just make stuff up than to, uh, <laughs> to um, uh, write about real personal things. Um, yeah, that really scans. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is. Uh, all right. Well, we have. You two world builders. I'm sitting there and I'm like, no, I just want uh, making stuff up. Oof, that's oh, scary. Yeah, I'm Bob. I'm good about writing about myself. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I feel like I don't know. For me, so often, like writing about myself starts from like here's memory, and then it just like, spirals off into like something that definitely didn't happen. Um, you know, but I, I I would agree though. I think that's a really interesting way of, of framing it and thinking about it. Of um, what you call the safe space of the mythology, um, yeah. you know, as this like cover to talk about these things. Um, oh, I'm gonna be thinking about that. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, so as we mentioned, kind of yeah, our show we like to like really play with some texts and talk about some texts. So we did ask you to bring in a poem today. Uh, could you do this, the honor of reading it for us? Yeah, so I brought in After Love by Miguel Hernandez. After Love. We could not be. The earth could not be enough. We are not so much as the sun intended in its distant yearning. 
One foot approaches the light. The other insists on darkness. Because love doesn't last forever in anyone, including me. Hatred waits for its moment in the coal's deepest core. Hatred is red and eats itself up. Love is pale and solitary. Tired of hating, I love you. Tired of loving, I hate you. Time rains. It rains and one sad day among them all. Sad for the whole earth. Sad from me to the wolf. We sleep and wake with a tiger in our eyes. Rocks, men like rocks, hard and full of hostility, collide in the air where rocks suddenly collide. Loneliness, which pulled them apart today and yesterday shoved their faces together. Loneliness, which in a kiss holds back a deafening roar. Lonely forever, helplessly lonely. Bodies like a voracious sea, thrashing, furious. Lonely, tied together by love, by hate. They spurt through veins, they cross grimly through cities. In the heart, everything lonely takes root. Footsteps with no land in them are left behind, as if they're in water, on the bottom. Only one voice so distant, I always hear it distantly, forces you on, tags along like a neck on the shoulders. Only one voice snatches me from the, this bony scaffolding, from the receding and bristling down I clothe myself in. The dry winds cannot dry out the luscious oceans, and the heart goes on, fresh in its harvest time jail, because this voice is the current's tenderest weapon. Miguel, I've remembered you since the sun and dust, since before the moon itself, tomb of a loving dream. Love, it separates my existence from its first ruins, and constructing me pronounces one truth like a gust of wind. After love, the earth. After the earth, everything. <laughs> that is, as we say, a poem. That, that is, is a poem. That is a poem. <laughs> <laughs> the last two lines that get me every single time. Oh man, Fair. yeah, that was a great poem. Fair. Uh, you know, you you sent this to us a couple weeks ago. Read it like, you know, faint after reading it, um, and then, you know, in planning kind of closer today, looked at it again and just was like, what? Um, yeah. It has struck me every time I've read it in a different new way um and and like i almost had to mute myself as you were reading that because i yeah, i was ready for like audible noises that i didn't want to be making right into the microphone <laughs> yeah i was uh, i was definitely leaning back in my seat so i wouldn't do that it's the same way um yeah i feel like every time i've read it it's uh it's just like washed over me and then i go back and read it again i you know find a different line that hits and then when you were reading it i was finding new lines that hit differently and Man, yeah, it's um, magical it's few poem. pages. It's a poem. <laughs> it's a poem. So yeah, why uh, why specifically this poem? Why uh, out of out of all the millions and billions of poems in the world, did you want to bring this one? I wanted to bring it in because I think Miguel Hernandez's work is something that I come back to over and over again, and his poems often have these incredible lines that I think about well after. Specifically, this poem. I, I don't know, it uses the word heart, it uses the word love, hate, kind of these big abstractions. I just remember like in my first undergrad creative writing workshop, my professor was like, okay, here's a list of words you don't ever use in a poem, but this poem contains <laughs> all of those words. Um, <laughs> That's, yeah. And I think it's just kind of like this incredible feat put all of those large things in one poem and still be impacted by it. Um, I don't know. Are there any words that you think you might avoid in poems or feel like they make you cringe a little and then you kind of avoid them? I mean, all the ones you listed, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but uh, I, I, you know, I'm always, <laughs> I'm always like amazed when a poem can, you know, use all those words and, and pull it off. I feel like I, I come from in the way I got into writing poems was writing songs when I was a, you know, a kid and a teenager. And yeah. um, you use a lot of those big words because songs, you have to be 
catchy, you have to be universal, you have to be, you know, if you're writing a pop song or, or whatever, uh, you have to kind of use those little shorthands because that increases your audience. Uh, with a poem, you have more space to rather explore those concepts without, without using those words. But I feel like a lot of my early workshop poems, you know, uh, got all those words crossed out and got all those, like, you're using abstractions, like, this This isn't how you're supposed to write. And I, I have come to think that a list of words that you specifically can't use is an unproductive way of teaching or thinking about writing. But I do have a list of words that I'm like, oh, not a list, but I have like certain words that when I, when I type them, I'll like go back and think, oh, wait, hang on. Can I use something else here or do something else here? And then I'm always, you know, super impressed when a poem like this comes along and it's like, oh, <laughs> it, it uses all the words and then really, really, really hits. Um, yeah, I, we are not pro earning the line on this podcast, but it's something I always think about in my own writing. You know? <laughs> um, so, uh, so, so yeah, that's, that's my long winded take on it, Bob. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I was going to say, we, we've had this conversation before of how I hear these stories of people being told not to use the word love in particular in a poem and, and just how, had someone told that to me at like the wrong age, I would have never written poetry. <laughs> you know? yeah. like, like, what do you mean? I, I, what do you mean? I can't talk about this, but just like you were saying, Laura, I feel like a list of those words, because I, I get conceptually, you know, avoiding some of the big abstractions, but yeah. just, you put a list of those words on a board. I feel like to so many poets, I know that's just an imitation to be like, well, now I have to use them all. <laughs> right. Like, oh yeah. And, 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 and he pulls it off. <laughs> yeah. I feel like yeah. I get why, because like when you're first learning to write, it's so easy to fall into cliche with them. Right. But I think right. once you become a little bit more skilled and you use those poems, uh, those words in poems, they hit so much harder. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I completely I mean, agree with you. Yeah. Lonely forever here works. You know? Right? <laughs> <laughs> I was shocked when I read that line. <laughs> <laughs> the one that uh uh and spoiler alert, we'll talk about this a little bit later but the one that really hit for me was tired of hating i love you tired of loving i hate you and like i would just never write that uh couplet but man it so works in this poem yeah. it's so good uh right yeah um, uh laura this, are you teaching right one. now for the fellowship Oh, no, I'm not teaching right now. You're not, um, okay. So the Stadler Fellowship is yeah, basically just, 20 like, hours me? of <laughs> either literary arts administration work or right. literary editing. Right now, okay. we're doing both. They're just going to shift that in um, this coming fellowship term. Okay. And then the rest of the time is to like just work on the book and focus. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> you oh, that's know, awesome. I think, oh, I think it helped a lot. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Oh, that's, oh, that's great. so fantastic. This is definitely um, a Stadler endorsement. I think No, I was asking because, like, you just mentioned teaching, and I was like, oh, I wonder how you would go about that conversation. Um, you, you, you do remind me, though, of, of a story from a mentor when I was in grad school that just, um, I think, on that, like, fellowship path is, or conversation is, is important to mention of, of she got this fellowship, and I don't know, it was like two or three months or whatever. And she finished her project in like a week and a half and, you know, like felt like she had to like keep working or something, but eventually, you know, told somebody and like everyone was just so thrilled for her. And, you know, and the idea was like, well, now you can do whatever you want with this time. Um, and I imagine you might still have work to do with the book, um, but that is really exciting to have like all of this colliding at one time. Like, yeah. <laughs> it feels good. I am working on new poems. So, yeah, always, <laughs> always a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> also, you can be one of these people that like it doesn't make sense to me. I can understand how it happened, but I feel like I, yeah. you, know, you hear people who talk about you know like uh, like when the new book is when their book is being published of like yeah I'm already deep into the second one and I'm like what do you mean? <laughs> but you're, you're gonna do this? Yeah, I write really slowly, so <laughs> I've been working on this one for a while. So I had those poems from the cartography of sleep and right. then these other poems that i've been working on a lot of them came from like 2018 so wow. 
I've really just been adding and accumulating and pulling things in and out of the, the manuscript. And then just, I don't know, pandemic times, I have a lot of free time because we can't go anywhere. There you <laughs> but, go. Yeah. So just Fair. writing nice. slowly into a new project. Oh, that's exciting. That's exciting. Uh, yeah, that's great. To hard pivot, I don't have a segue, but um, back to the uh, Hernandez poem. We like to ask a, uh, a second question about the poem, which is um, what's the move in the poem? What's the thing on the page uh, that the poet is doing that's making you most exciting? And maybe that overlaps with what we just talked about with all the yeah. using the so, forbidden words and all, but um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's, what's, what's the move for you? At first it was hard for me to pinpoint, but I think that what's happening is this kind of weaving of images. Mm -hmm. um, so a mix of these big abstractions and then a quick shift to um, back to the image system of the earth. So it literally grounds the poem. Um, yeah. There's also like this naming of these big emotions and a sort of emotional restlessness because he's like, I love you. I hate you. I'm lonely, you know, like to go back and forth like that between emotions feels very true. And I know we're told this poet's like, show not tell but there's kind of something incredible about moving so quickly through all of these different emotions and kind of changing your mind from line to line that i really like it just feels really authentic yeah you know it's sort of having a million thoughts a minute kind of mentality and then but then there's mm -hmm. like the 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 earth there immovable immutable and immovable kind of thing yeah yeah i like that that's a great point so i'm like thinking about that and I guess just like, yeah, totally hearing that, totally seeing that. And then like moving back the poem, being like, I don't know, like having all these feelings and be like, oh, and it's, it's called after love. Um, <laughs> just like, I've had so many problems with the word after before love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, like, I, I guess I just, I, I, and I, I'm really stuck and excited what you said, because I, I think I like observed that idea of these images of the earth and, and this keeping it grounded, the natural. But once you like set it out loud, it's like, oh, it's unlocking kind of everywhere. Yeah, I, I, and to quickly piggyback, I really love what you said about, about the uh, literally grounding the poem. Like it just, it does feel like, yeah, I mean, I think there's rocks, there's dust, there's roots, there's in the heart, everything lonely takes a root, which is just like, yeah. <sighs> yeah, it's um yeah, there's so much of like the firm uh eternalness of the earth with uh with, right uh, you know, like you were talking about a a constant mind changing thing. I don't know, Bob, does that help with anything you were That does help. I when you just hit on eternal, that really got me excited. <laughs> um I mean just cuz you know, it took me I guess probably just back to the end lines after love the earth, after the earth everything um that it gives it this like post-apocalyptic post weight um <laughs> to everything in it I, I mean i love putting that much energy on after love and all of those feelings actually you saying post-apocalyptic it's at exactly why when i said earlier i had like have problems with the word after before love <laughs> and like it it does feel like yeah sometimes after love feels like the apocalypse like if a love ends it it feels shattering right. that way um and right. i think yeah. i didn't want to admit that that's what it was making me feel because it's terrifying <laughs> but, but yeah yeah oh man yeah i'm also uh just above that this move of, I'm trying to even pinpoint like who I would say is speaking, um, but where the poem, you know, invokes his name and has this quoted moment. Um, I think it's breathtaking. Um, does anybody want to take a bite in helping me uh, read through that moment of, of what's going on? Like, it's totally just a more... me off guard. I don't know who's speaking, but sometimes I read it and I think that it's him talking to himself, but... I mean, it's strange. Miguel, I've remembered you since the sun and dust. And it's like, maybe it's the earth. It's just, there's so much interpretation 
for that little stanza. Right. And I mean, it's, it's just another thing about this poem that's, that's so good, but it, it comes back to, it's like, I don't know how I could ever pull something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I feel the same way about that. I don't think I would feel brave enough to do that little thing in there as well, most of the things that he's done in this poem. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll echo you Laura that, um, it, uh, it does kind of feel like it's the earth talking, but yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't fully know what to, what to do with it. And I, I also feel like I know just enough about, uh, Mesoamerican mythology to know that I'm completely stupid on the topic and completely ignorant. Um, but it, it, it does feel like one of those, yeah, like a very spiritual, very connected with the earth, like a voice ringing out and whether that's in his own head or whether that's a literal voice, like, you know, manifesting from the dust, from the dust of the rocks or whatever. Um, you know, I don't know, but, uh, but it, it definitely carries a lot of weight when you get to that stanza. It feels, even if it's just a thought in his head, it feels like something powerful is talking to you. Kind of thing. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like one part that I struggle with is that last line after the earth, everything. Um, my impulse would be to write after the earth, nothing, but I think it's that <laughs> unexpected everything. <laughs> really, it's like, what does that line mean now? Like during a crime, a climate crisis. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like this poem was written in the 1920s, 1930s. So. Uh -huh. Goodness. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, yeah. what, so what, what does that tell us about you that you would do it? It's not I'm worried about the climate. I'm worried about the climate. <laughs> <laughs> it's a constant concern. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Um, there's yeah, a yeah, yeah there's there's like... there's very really little hope for the future um, and, <laughs> um, <but laughs> uh, that no that's a just a really interesting kind of point of thinking because it is after such a intense poem mm -hmm. you know in some ways i don't know hopeless doesn't feel like the right word but like you know you can tell there's this exhaustion of emotion yeah. to come back to after love the earth after the earth everything is, you know, is this really positive place to land on, I think, um, or, or hopeful in some way. Yeah. And how much that does ring tr very, very differently, considering. I guess there's a, hope. there's a hopefulness it, that but... after, sorry, Lori, go ahead. I really do love that hopefulness, um, mm -hmm. especially after, like, you know, like after love, you have the earth, but then after the earth, you still have like everything else mm. um mm. it does like i really want that to be true like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i think that's why i love it so much i really <laughs> want it to be true <laughs> yeah oh <laughs> uh, my goodness yeah i'm gonna be sitting with that for a while <laughs> oh, <man>. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am i'm almost like as i like re-looking at it and just you know like we said the, these moments that i feel like i couldn't do like counting them it's it's pretty remarkable i am also just like moving up i guess in the sandwich in between the two things we talked about love it separates my existence from its first ruins and constructing me pronounces one truth like a gust of wind holy smokes that's good <laughs> starting a line off like that with the abstraction love i'm about to tell you all about it, it seems yeah. like <laughs> such a move such a flex <laughs> it's, really it's, like, it's like here's what love is in four lines i'm gonna do it <laughs> um i i am too i just i don't know i guess it's here hearing you talk a little about your work and we're probably going to talk about this later i'm getting ahead of ourselves um and your relationship to you know mythology and then thinking about that compared to this poem it is really uh I'm seeing the echoes. Um, it's it's this poem, kind of like we said, because it's in this place of abstraction, it does feel kind of, I don't know, in space to me. And not like space, space, but, um, you know, that I have, especially, I guess, right off the bat, I have trouble feeling grounded. And you, like you said, these images do bring me in and ground me, but it does feel creation-y almost. You know, like one foot approaches the light, the other insists on darkness. 
because love doesn't last forever, we're thinking about eternity like right away. Um, but there's there's this moment just below that, which you pointed to, which is incredible. Tired of hating, I love you. Tired of loving, I hate you. So good. And then that next stanza, I have found myself keep returning to and returning to. Time rains, it rains, and one sad day among them all. Sad for the whole earth. Sad for me to the wolf. We sleep and wake up with a tiger in our eyes. I don't have something <laughs> to say about this other than I really love it. And just, I don't know, the, the animals there really reminded me of you um, and made me excited. Yeah, because I have like coyotes and boar and just all sorts of animals and nature images mixed with mission. Where does that come from for you? Um, it comes from home in Texas. Um, mm. I live out in the country, so there's wild boar, there's deer, rattlesnakes, just kind of everything you could imagine. <laughs> yeah. It feels like that is my, that is my linguistic landscape. It's such a good like way to that. put it. Oh, <laughs> yes. be thinking about, I'm going to be thinking about my linguistic landscape for a long right. time. Um, uh, no, that, that, that scans because I, I find myself, I grew up with a uh, backyard of my parents' house, has a river in it, uh, down in a um, semi-rural, semi-suburban Tennessee. And there was a river in our backyard, so I grew up playing in the river all the time. And, I just find that like rivers come up in my poetry all the time. And I'm like, why am I writing about a river right now? And it's like, oh, because I spent all my time there. And uh, yeah, that that that's always scans. I love that um, that you just yeah, coyotes and and rattlesnakes and stuff being just a part. <laughs> yeah, your 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 linguistic landscape. I love that line. No. <laughs> It's so cool. Yeah, that's so I don't know that I've ever said that before, but it felt true in the moment. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking trademark it, man. Like it's, it's Yeah. So cool. Point it now. <laughs> um this might be hard. <laughs> so of those animals that you find yourself like it's easy to write about or familiar to write about, one do you have a favorite? Ooh. Two does it have, I assume maybe not like a single, but does it have like a one or two or an easy like, I don't know, for you like symbolic tie or something that for you like it just, that you really associate with it on like a metaphorical level that like comes to mind um, easily, if that makes sense. From those animals? <laughs> or from any. <laughs> I don't know about any of the animals that we have around here, if I think okay. well than that kind of like a spiritual level or that I have a favorite. <laughs> um, hmm. I'm trying to think about like what keeps recurring in my work and I don't know. I feel like coyotes come back a lot, but I think it's because it's so rare to see them, but you always hear them out here. Right. Um, oh, sure. So they're kind of mysterious. And I think I've only ever seen one around here and I've seen a couple others in different places. That's interesting because I we have coyotes in our neighborhood and I live in a pretty dense area of Chicago. But um, really, they, uh, yeah, and uh, there's a there's a there there are coyotes that because we we do have like a couple of like parks and like forest preserves like near enough to us that I never yeah. hear coyotes, but I've seen like <laughs> five or six um, in like the last couple of years, you know. Like, uh, and I think that's that's probably just urban displacement and things like that. But um, yeah, when you said you never see them but you hear them, I'm like, oh, I see them all the time. I but I yeah. I never hear them out, at, you know, like at night or whatever. And I wonder, if, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think some probably animal expert could probably tell us. <laughs> um, yeah, I read once that um, in urban areas like that, when you see a bunch of coyotes. There's different organizations that will go out and do what they call coyote bullying, which is essentially hitting pots and pans and making them feel afraid of people again. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so they, oh, you won't Lord. see them. But I'm just, I've never forgotten that description, coyote bullying. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not. So good. <laughs> 
Oh, and then to top, to top it off, the image of the coyote bully is someone banging pots. <laughs> but like, it's still like an '80s movie bully where he has like the flat top and the, the leather jacket, you know. <laughs> oh, who would want to be mean to a coyote? Who would yeah. want to be mean to a coyote? People with dogs, I suppose. Mm. Oh, that's fair. yeah, that's fair. <laughs> we've 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 moved off track. <laughs> we should have at least one more poem. A question about the poem. Oh, yes. Yeah, the influence question. Um, how do you feel like this work is in conversation or is influenced um, by this poem or Hernandez's work in general? Well, I feel like Hernandez's work gives me permission to utilize those big abstractions. Mm. And it also pushes me to work harder to make them work in a poem if I Ooh. want to use them. Ooh, I like that. I feel like I often think about his work in one of his poems he has some lines that read my grief is that i have one grief uh that outweighs all the joy there is which is just so good and true i think when i think about his work i want to push towards what is the truth of the poem um how can i say it in a way that is both direct and resonant um i don't know if like my work's necessarily influenced by his specific work, but I think that we come from a similar lineage of mythology and um, culture that's rooted in the earth. Oh. I man. Oh. <laughs> yeah. The, the what you said about like finding the truth of the poem influence uh, being like given permission to to use these big concepts and explore these big concepts, but also feeling like you have to, you know, make make you work harder to uh, to achieve them, and then also like the. Uh, I feel like that's something so unique to the medium, where like everyone at home drink because we're gonna say um, the poem is that which can be paraphrased, but um, uh, uh, <laughs> the um, the fact that we're sitting down to uh, to to write these these weird little you know artifacts that exists on a single page and are so introspective and personal and yet demand to be read by a wide audience. Like it demands that the poem has a heart and we all know we're writing about these big concepts, but we have to like dance around the actual words and the, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah, the, uh, the, the, the using the big words, the forbidden words, as we've mentioned. um, And then, finding what the heart of your specific poem is and why you're allowed, why you're allowing yourself to use those specific words. Um, I think it's really cool. It's, it's a really cool thing to think about and something that's like endlessly, um, endlessly worth pondering. So that, 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 that really hit for me when you said that. That's not I, too I don't think rambling. we called them from. <laughs> oh, I said forbidden words as a joke earlier. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you did. I just, yeah. I, 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 I'm even more in love with that concept of, of these are the forbidden words. Oh, yeah. No, talking about Laura's teacher that wrote the list out or whatever. Like, right. Yeah. Like to, the to seven deadly out. sins, the seven deadly words of poetry, you know. I would love to read a poem that includes the seven deadly sins yes. in poetry. Thou shalt not love, thou shalt not have a soul. <laughs> um, I love... Chris, you just also so forbidden forbidden words. I loved uh, you. You use the word uh, artifact in talking mm-hmm. about the poem and poems in general. And and I don't know. I that feels particularly great for this poem of of this is the artifact mm-hmm. after love, and you know I don't know justifies the entire project because like if that's the thing that you can leave behind, ah uh, ah uh, fantastic. I yeah. love it. I like that for a lot of art objects where it's like, God, I can't believe I'm going to bust this one out. Uh, I don't even (laughs) like this person very much. Dave Grohl, lead singer of the Food Fighters, a band I don't care for, (laughs) has a quote about um, if one song I write keeps one kid from killing themselves, then that's a good thing. And like, not to get too like heavy with it or anything like that. And I don't want to get too precious about like, what our mission is here as artists, not that artists need to have a mission or anything like that. But yeah, like 
I, I do like to think of art as like as artifacts that we leave behind and if one person finds it and it's meaningful mm -hmm. like that's a that's a cool concept for me um and yeah bob i agree with you this poem gets to it gets to that a little bit Oof. it's the part of the podcast where Chris gets sentimental <laughs> <laughs> You're a little bit sentimental get a little bit just like condo where it's like well this is a poem we love <laughs> <laughs> um Speaking of which, uh, I did not confirm with you. That was the second question I was supposed to ask you, Laura, was did you want to read a poem of your own today? Um, I was trying to decide this earlier, and I was like, what poem would I possibly read? <laughs> um, whenever somebody asks me to read a poem, I'm always like, oh, I guess I, I don't have any poems, <laughs> which is not true. Like, it's like when you look in the fridge, and you're like, oh, there's no food here, and then you close it. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> I think I, but this is all to say I probably have a poem to read. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was going to say, uh, I initially did not want to keep like me asking that question in the podcast, but now I feel like we have to keep, now we have to keep it in. Because that on was the, such a good response. On the one hand, no pressure. On the other hand, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> you have told us that there is stuff in the fridge. <laughs> there is, there is, but... I panic. <laughs> oh. um, I do have totally a fair. poem pulled up. I think awesome. it's probably appropriate to read um, the title poem from my new manuscript, Girls Guide to Weaving. It also includes the word heart and uh, mythology. So. Hell yeah. Awesome. <laughs> um, Girls Guide to Weaving. In the beginning, there were white owls with the faces of women the ones your grandmother warned you about, the ones your mother said were only Mexican folklore. But now you see them everywhere. As you drive late at night on a road that turns sharply like a wind-up toy, reminding you it doesn't belong to you and never will. You know the remedy. Hug the curves until they croon for you like your grandmother's music boxes. You've always known how to charm a place into loving you back. But for now, this state this road, and even the sky doesn't belong to you. Your want sparks a miracle of white feathers. Your want cores you awake each morning. You come from a long line of wandering men, men who cut night in half just to leave a city with an infant cooing in her sleep. In the beginning, women sold their hearts for freedom and were vilified in legends. You're the first girl in your family to never stop moving. Your legend is that you write your own legend. Heartless girl, if you don't keep moving, any place could become a cage, and you've already escaped once. Luck doesn't occur twice, you know. Good yes. God. Oh, thank you. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> uh, this has been published somewhere. Yes. Yeah. I was like... <laughs> I, that's it. Yeah, I know. Um, I like the owls right away. I, I'm one of getting off track, but like I always get kind of frustrated with um, people I know who are like so good at like remembering this poem where they said this, and I'm the worst at like quoting a poem. I can't remember things. Like two lines in, I was like, oh my god, I've read this before. Yes. <laughs> um, oh, that's fantastic. Um, and it, it is that's such a you poem. <laughs> it is really a me poem. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Yeah, Does, I, I, I'm, I'm not talking because I'm in disbelief. I, I have not <laughs> read or heard this poem before. And I, I, good God. Uh, <laughs> uh, where does that come in the manuscript? Um, it's actually the first poem in the manuscript. Yes, it is the first poem? Yeah. Yes. Hell it yeah. Be, I it mean... is the gateway. Welcome to the book. <laughs> good. What yes. a banger of an opener. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, I love that. Yeah, that, yeah I think that... Um, yeah, it's good. just such a great way to enter. Um, holy smokes. Ooh. Yeah, there's Chills. so much there, like the the girl's guide, and you start with in the beginning, um, are just like two, like, just like classic, like creation myth type tropes. And it's, it's, it then jumps to the, uh, you come from a long line of wandering men. And, uh, but then there's like the, the grandmother aspect of the, uh, oh man. I don't have the text in front of me, so I'm not going to say anything smart about it. God, 
<laughs> oh, it's so good. <laughs> it's oh my goodness. Um, yeah, that's great, man. What a great, what a great, uh, uh, what a great poem. What a great opener yeah. for your book. <sighs> <laughs> All of which say, yeah, that's very exciting. Very excited for this book. Again, super, super huge congrats on that. Um, Thanks. <laughs> shout yeah, out yeah. to them for for picking you. You know, like I said, it, it's one of those things where you know, pay attention, especially someone who like I've been involved with publishing. You know, like I, I keep my eyes out for folks, and it's one of those things where like it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. So pumped it happened. Chris, we gotta end this podcast with a basketball question. I guess we do. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Laura, are you a uh, basketball fan at all? <laughs> No. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, okay. I formulated okay. the question. It's okay. It's okay. Um, uh, I formulated the question a little bit so there's a little wiggle room. So um, I was struck by a line that you had in the Hernandez poem, uh, tired of hating, I love you, tired of loving, I hate you. So with the caveat that basketball players are real people with beating hearts and actual feelings, um, the question is, is there a basketball player that you've... <laughs> ever feel like you have to flip-flop from loving to hating and back and forth this can also be uh, you could like say a writer or some other artist or some other just you know uh a a a public figure who you're like you know you're 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 at once like i can't stand this person's work um i love this person's work and back and forth kind of thing um I can go first to illustrate, um, which is what I usually do, and then I'll pass it off to Bob for a basketball answer. Pass it off to you, Laura, for a uh, for some other sort of answer. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Marty's so excited about what Bob's going to say. So, uh, so Bob, my answer is Carmelo Anthony. Um, I went from okay. really cheering for uh, that. Um, that 2010 Denver team that made the conference finals run and then lost to the Lakers at the last minute to then just like hating the way he forced his way to New York and hating the way his game was like, just like slow down mid range jumpers and all that stuff. And then this season I have become really enamored with the old man, Carmelo Anthony having great games all the time thing. Like I was watching a Blazers game the other day and uh, Melo just, made five shots in a row and the Blazers made a point to like feed him the ball and stuff like that. And he just like kept scoring. He kept not missing. He did like eight heat checks and he made all of them. It was like, so wonderful to see for a player that I've spent a long time, like not caring for. And like, so this is incredibly your aesthetic um, of old, older person kind of been through it a little bit crusty and, Ruffled, yeah. probably has had something to drink. Probably is at a beach. <laughs> has no time for shit anymore, and it's just like I like my basketball players to remember or resemble Steve Zissou. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I, I I mean I think the line of thought here um, was was Laura reading this poem that was incredibly her. You giving this answer that is incredibly you. Um, and the way that I fell into this with something that is incredibly me is I read your question, Chris. Tired of hating, I love you. Tired of loving, I hate you. And then thinking about basketball players, I'm like, this is just about myself. Like, <laughs> like, basketball. Just like, oh yeah, like 10 seconds, I'm like so feeling myself and about it. And then 30 seconds later, I'm like, oh my God, I hate you so much. And I have, I guess not necessarily with basketball, but just like with athletics, I was, I was just, I have these vivid memories of like in high school on PE um, where they made us, you know, like run laps or whatever. And um, I have allergy induced asthma um so like i don't need like an inhaler i don't you know i don't do the thing but like also like running sucks sure <laughs> sure so i just have these vivid memories of like literally like to try and motivate myself to get through the run of just like cussing at myself <laughs> just like <laughs> so there's a lot of self-hate uh even on the basketball court but also on the basketball court there are moments where i'm like you know a little hook shot goes in and i'm like kind of great Every that, once in a while. You just kind of described the writing process. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or at least yeah. mine anyway. <laughs> um, um Laura, what about you? Any, you any, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I definitely feel like as I was going through my manuscript, I felt that 
I hate you, I love you kind of thing. (laughs) Um, But for my answer, I've decided um, I feel that way about the whole state of Texas. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Yeah. All right. I, I love living here. I love living here. I love like when we have good weather. I love that there's a lot of open space. But, you know, a lot of times I'm just like, well, recently I'm just like, oh, this is a nightmare. Like with the way the freeze was handled and then the mask mandate being removed by Abbott. So I'm just like, (sighs) (sighs) (laughs) I feel you, man. I mean, I'm from Tennessee, so yeah. 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 The exhaustion of loving and hating a place. Yeah. We talked about that in our Chicago Poems episode. Loving a place that doesn't love you back, you know. Oh my goodness! That's a great answer. Really, that's um, that's, <laughs> that's that's for for all of our future non basketball fan guests. That sets the gold standard for the answer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, well, Laura, it has really been a pleasure having you. And uh, when the book comes out, we'll have to have you back for uh, yeah, your proverbial book tour. <laughs> if we can see people again, <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, cool thank actually. you so much yeah yes. thank you <laughs> it's like i feel like i've known you for years and now i finally see you i say this is like the, the real thing i know uh hopefully in person great. next time someday wherever that is with and, and chris for brunch right, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, university of wisconsin press is known for their uh lavish book tours right you get the five-star treatment when you publish a po- manuscript of poetry right <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right well yeah it really has been a blast and um uh yeah thank you so much our music is produced by brennan johnson our art is designed by am strickland and uh that's going to do it for us this week and Talk to you guys next week.